Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. My name is David, and with me are the NCP crew, Richo, Randy, Luke, mm-hmm. and Crystal. Can't even just say that. Just say Reemdy, that's what I did. Reemdy! That's right. Oh, my voice broke like a 14 year old boy. <laughs> Hang on a second. Is there something you're not telling you us? Don't, you don't look like a 14 year old boy, and that's important to that's me. That's the main thing. As your husband. <laughs> On many levels. For, for it listeners. Just, it just always got, it always got me that there's the scene in True Lies. It, it gets me every time, but there's a scene in True Lies where Bill Paxton's character and, and Arnold will drive around in the car, and he's talking about the girl that he was yeah. with and of course turns out to be Arnold's wife but um, but he mentions you know and an, and a, and an ass like a five year old boy it, it, no it is actually an ass like a 14 year old boy yeah and it just always got me <laughs> it's like how is that a good thing it's not he's, uh, <laughs> he's not a good character that's the whole point <laughs> it was just weird anyway moving on for this episode, we have a dust jacket on the novel Ream D by Neil Stevenson. Ream D! Now, I did, uh, we did warn everybody that we'd be doing this novel uh, in the last dust jacket episode, so hopefully uh, you guys have gotten through it as well, or you've already read it, and you can follow along. That'd be awesome. Uh, which were, And this was uh, Crystal's pick. So We'll try and keep it spoiler-free. We will try and keep it spoiler-free. And we also have a top five and our favourite book series we'd like to see adapted into TV or film. Uh, actually, just blatantly stole this idea from the guys at uh, Forty Two Geek Street from when I appeared on their on their show. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, please do so. It's uh, a lot of fun. These guys, awesome. So, uh, big shout out to uh, Ren and Ron. That's a very smooth plug. Mm. I like that. Also, it's it's not stealing. You're paying homage to their show. I guess I am. I did I did ask permission. I didn't say they said anyway. So, look, dude, that was homage. awesome. Can I use that? So, uh, yeah, it's a homage. We do a homage. Homage. <laughs> uh, so, mine are actually going to be the same that I, that I said on those. But these guys uh, didn't. I thought it would be a good one for these guys. And also this episode, we have the winner of our Tim Winton's The Turning DVD from the awesome folks at Madman Entertainment. Uh, so, let's start off with Dust Jacket, Ream D by Neil Stevenson. Now, I, I do uh, publicly apologise to the to crew here because when I first suggested Reemdy, I'd forgotten I'd forgotten it was 1,000 pages long. Um, so what I really should have done if I was intent on doing this is, is still said Reemdy, but done it for my next dust jacket. So give you two months to read it. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, fine. It's your choice. Yeah, it's fine. Having said, I mean, I mean, even I'm still 200 pages away from the end, and but you know, I've read it before, so it's not a huge deal. Um, so I'm pleased that everyone here has at least made the attempt to get started, <laughs> get through it. Yeah. So bearing in mind that it's it's over a thousand pages, we'll, we will skip the rundown of the plot that we usually do because that would take the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, the the and novel. To tears. Sorry. And boy, it is. And boy, it is. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Oh. No. Um, basically, it's it's a cyberpunk slash thriller novel. Um, Reem D refers to the name of a computer virus, spe- obviously spelt that way because people think it looks like Read Me, and they'll click on it. We start out in uh, Midwestern America. Yeah. With oh. Richard, also known as Dodge, um, and he's sort of the not really the patriarch of his family, but kind of the... He's more of a black sheep. Yeah, but, but at the same time sort of ahead of his family. Anyway, Richard is the head of a corporation, founder of 9592. Um, it's it's basically a, a 
Blizzard type company where they create a game called Terrain, which is pretty much World of Warcraft. Yeah. Although World of Warcraft is mentioned in the book, so it's um, clearly a different fictional game. I haven't said that. That is a small part of the story, but it's kind of the foundation at the same time. Um, Richard's niece, Zula, goes to work for him, but ends up getting embroiled in some sort of... The instigator of the plot is Brindy. Um, somehow, Zula's boyfriend... Uh, gets involved with some guy working for Russian Mafia and giving him credit card numbers, but the file gets corrupted by Reemdy, and that's where everything hits the fan. Um, I won't go into how it all happens because it's all quite intricate, but Sula gets kidnapped by these Russians and taken overseas, and, and it, just, it just goes on from there. But that, basically, that's, that's, that's the novel. Without, without giving you a full rundown of the whole plot, because, as we say, that would take forever. That's, that's basically it. Um, the first time I read Reemdy, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but because you get so involved with the characters, some of the parts you just want to sort of go, what's happening next, what's happening next? So, which made the second read even more so enjoyable because I could spend co- time concentrating on the interesting little side trips that uh, Stephen takes um, into the details um, without the tension of wondering what's going to happen to the, to the main characters. Because I, while I don't remember it exactly, uh, it's sort of coming to me as I read it, I know sort of where they end up in the end. So I'm not too hung up on what's going on in the tension of the story and I can sort of get involved with these interesting little tidbits that he talks about along the way. He goes off on uh, tangents. Um, he picks up on tiny little facets of being that generally no one sort of pays attention to and explores that and sees where it takes you. Um, I've got an example written down there of the Russ Crispy sort of story mm. whereas um, Richard's I think he's just arrived at an airport and he sees these Russ Crispies and it makes him start thinking of something else whereas uh, rice crispies are sort of put together with a recipe. Uh, people tend to use stuff that's already made and put together, and that's how they work. And he he um, uses that to look at the world of terrain and how there's two lots of two different two different types of players. One that sort of get involved in the story and the characters and, and you know the whole lore and the creation of it, and the other one who are just there and they're happy to have it. It's already made for them, and they're just there to kick ass. And it's um, that's, so that's a sort of interesting little side details other than the workings of the mind that I quite enjoy. Um, if you wanted to, you could just focus on the main story. You could probably cut out a good half of the book and just make it a, a rip-roaring, born-like thriller. But then you would miss out on all of the subtlety and and the character work. I'd say, uh, you know, it goes off on a lot of tangents, but I would say that it's all relevant. Not, maybe not directly relevant to the main story, but it's relevant to the characters and the characters' thought processes. Um, unlike your sort of standard thriller, it sort of muses about the motivation of the bad guy, for instance, um, where you've got Ivanov, um, who in maybe in you know, like a Bourne movie or a Mission Impossible movie, he'd be just like a faceless bad Russian guy who's doing crazy Russian things because he's the bad guy. But actually, they, <laughs> they, they go into... Um, uh, Sokolov, um, who's one of the other Russians, he goes into sort of exploring why Ivanhoff might be behaving this way and, and what's actually going on in his life to actually make him do this crazy stuff. Um, I liken this book to a TV series more than a, a movie because it sort of it is kind of episodic um, and it's sort of like a TV series can like you, you've got this overall arc like the X Files had this overall arc of a, of a conspiracy theory. So this is this book's got this overall arc of the plot, but then it goes into little episodes and explores little places as well. Um, 
I know in the past on this very show I have complained about books that had too much detail in it. (laughs) There was one specific book I can remember, I can't remember the title of, where I complained that I didn't need to know how so-and-so got out the window and down the street. I didn't need to know about every little rock and thing he saw. That was just boring. But this book, um, Neil Stevenson makes that sort of stuff work. He does it really well. His writing flows so well that it's actually, I find it a pleasure to read even the minutest little details. Um, It's probably true, for example, that I don't need to know how the jihadist Jones um, manages to obtain a truck, uh, but it is fun to uh, watch Zula sort of work that out. She sort of deducts how that works, and and you probably didn't need to know that for the story to move on, but it was interesting. And uh, this is a book that I can really sink my teeth into. That's pretty much all I had to say about it. People want to jump in with their comics. I know the three of you got to various points in the book and haven't actually finished it, but I'm sure you've got all I've got all good stuff to say. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to disagree with a, a bit of what you've said, um, in that the things that you liked were a lot of things that really drove me nuts trying to read this book. Um, first of all, Richard, Richard begins as the main character of the book, and the, for the first hundred pages... There's really no story other than them telling us about Richard's life, which becomes, at certain points, I think a bit of an info dump kind of thing. And there are aspects of Richard's life that are kind of interesting. I like the the way that he turns basically fleeing to Canada uh, to avoid uh, the draft into a drug dealing business that he then turns into this computer game business. The the way he gets to that point is actually kind of interesting. Um, my problem is just that the story doesn't actually begin until about 100 pages into the book, uh, where, you know, because all, all we've done is talk about Richard for a bit. But when the story does start, Richard's actually not the main character. It's Zula's story that is actually the interesting one, and she's the one that's getting kidnapped by the mob and, you know, taken to China and to a rather interesting part of China, I must admit. And um, and she actually has the, the more interesting story as an Eritrean... Yeah. Um, uh, refugee, uh, orphan whose parents were killed and, and then brought to America and, and put into this family I was actually more interested in her story and so all of the sections where they're cutting away from her story back to Richard mm. I was actually quite bored with that part of it because yeah. the, the Richard part, once again it's it's there's, it's a lot of detail about things that I'm not really all that interested in This is what in, I'm saying is know. where you can cut this book down to be yeah. like a board novel if you wanted yeah. to but you've got to remember this is an a thousand page novel and the Richard stuff is relevant to throughout the whole book. Yeah, and it comes I, I, full like, circle for, the, for the first four hundred pages, though, I found his stuff really dull. Like mm. I just did not care at all, mm. except for that little bit about um, early on about him. Um, whereas Zula is the one where, who's actually mm. having a story. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. mm. um, and there's still a way that you can do what you're saying, um, Crystal, and still have all that stuff still feel relevant to what's actually going on. Mm. I must admit, I struggled through... I didn't get past page 100. I, I struggled very much because um, first 30 pages, family reunion, you're seeing a little bit of Richard's character, but nothing to make it make him interesting or likable enough to want to follow him. Then it's about 10 pages of info dump with... Um, 10 pages of info dump telling us, effectively, Richard's life story, then telling us, you know, another five pages of info dump telling us about terrain, then something about pallet drift, and it's all exposition 
and backstory and me being told stuff, but not me being not me being shown stuff. I could so, have bet money you were going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. That, and you react, and I bet money that you'll react that. What you said was your reaction. Mm. Um, I knew you were going to say, "You yeah, know, I like the um, the extraneous detail." And there's a lot, there's a lot of detail that you actually don't need to know. Um, Zula going into the warehouse where Peter lives, you don't need to know just how she got up there or the layout. You just need to know that it's a warehouse and get to the interesting stuff. Which That's is meant if to be- you wanted to pare down the story, though. Like I said mm. before, you, yes, you don't need to know mm. that stuff. But uh, no, but I didn't want to know that stuff. That's what it boils down to. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to know that stuff. It comes down to a personal preference, I think, because I found all that stuff fascinating. Whereas in the other book I was talking about that I can't remember the name of, it's just... My my problem with it here, though, it's just like, oh, you know, he goes down this street and then turns left onto this street Mm. and travels this far to get to this place and then he goes up a set of steps. and like It's not exactly spelled out that way, though. It's not just giving you street directions. It's it's going into detail of what the people are thinking at the time they're doing it as well. It was the thing. The thing. The thing with Neil Stevenson, right? I, 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 the going into this book with a lot of trepidation because of Cryptonomicon, mm. um, which is just awful. And it okay. actually and, no, it's not. It's the, fascinating. But the reason, the reason, that, the reason that I find it awful is because it has that very thing right at the start where he's walking around the streets of uh, of some Asian city somewhere and going through mathematical equations in his head, and he's, he's you know, and he turns left on blah blah, and then he turns right on blah, blah and then he turns left on blah, 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 and. When I got to that bit in Reefy where he's where he is walking down the street and stuff, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> not again! Please don't do it to me again." And and it, it wasn't as it wasn't quite as intricate as, as that one. At least he's not going through the mathematical equations in his head. This is a funny um, thing about Cryptonomicon, though, that I found that I was getting the gist of that, and that's what I was loving about it because I'm not a mathematical person at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what, I mean, obviously, I mean, as a gamer, and, and going to what you said before about the. Uh, you know, there's players that like the law and stuff. That, that is basically Bo and myself to a T. Bo is very much the, he just wants to get in there and, you know, and do the raiding and do all sort of stuff. Whereas I'm very much the, the law. I like to know why people in the world are reacting the way they do. Um, so that was, that was cool, that bit. Um, and all the stuff where he's talking about the game and uh, how they created the, game, the terrain and all that sort of stuff, even the pallet drift stuff, yeah. all cool. Up until that point, yeah. I was like, Okay, like I'm enjoying it, but only because of World of Warcraft, essentially. Yeah. But then when it got into the story itself, and you're right, Richard is boring, and uh, I, I, the only, Azula was basically the only Richard's character. Richard's one of my favourite characters. I pictured him as Jeff Bridges. Oh, well, that's interesting. I, I, um, <laughs> that's a bit of Tron thing happening there. <laughs> but, uh, so, but, but, yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean I, liked, I liked the Zula, the Zula stuff, um, but once they sort of moved away from the game sort of stuff and then got in more into the espionage... I, it lost me that's, that's that's funny because that's the way I expected it to go when I picked it I thought this will have elements in it that the three of you will like mm. Luke didn't get far enough into it to get to the stuff I thought he might like no but that's mm. that's that's the problem yeah that's the problem and it is and it is actually it, it's an inherent flaw in the story which is no it's not a flaw in the story it's your personal no it taste. is a flaw in the story because <laughs> it's actually taking too long to actually get to it is Actually, taking too long to actually start its story. The first no, the story pages, starts not, from the first that's not, page. No, that's not it a doesn't. flaw in the story, though. That's that's a flaw in your interpretation of no, the story. That's a flaw in the, some people like that sort of thing. Yeah, but that though, no, but that doesn't mean that the story is any good. That just means they like it. Sula's <laughs> <laughs> okay. story starts like a hundred pages in, but the story yeah. starts from. You need to okay, know. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay, what is the story then? What is the story? The story is a lot of things, but but you, no, but what is but what is it? But but Richard's 
Richard is the foundation of the story. Yeah, but what is Richard's story? You, well, you can't explain that in five minutes. This is why I didn't do a run no, out no, of the plot. Because, because you're saying that Richard's story starts at the start. Yeah. But what is Richard's story? The Richard, the story is of the Fourth Rust family, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's not just Zola's story. No, but what but what is Richard's story? That's this is what I'm saying, Luke. You can't give a run down mm-hmm. of the plot. It, it'll take too uh, long. I look. I actually. I, first of all, I have to disagree with with Dave. Um, for me, the what? game stuff, <laughs> the game stuff was actually the most boring part of it. For me. <laughs> I just didn't care. Um, That's because you're not a gamer. Whereas, whereas Zula's story, I thought was good. And what yeah. what I would have actually liked, um, what would have I think worked better for me, um, uh, and probably getting back to something that Luke was saying was Zula. First of all, you know the Eritrean orphan thing, really interesting. Mm. Brought into this family. Which makes it kind of an outsider. So you could have actually gotten the family side of the story rather from rather than from Richard. You could have gotten that from Zola and from her experiences. Yeah, so this is what I was trying to from... say before I was interrupted. I didn't get to finish. We didn't get to the part where I thought we'll look for David was going to find the game stuff interesting, and you, Richo, was going to find all the Zola intrigue, Russian stuff interesting. Yeah. Um, but you could have you could have actually done a lot of the stuff they do with Richard through Zola instead. We, we could instead. have rewritten the um, book a whole different way, but then it wouldn't be a Neil Stevenson book. Well, then maybe yeah, then, then I have a problem with Neil Stevenson. I then. think that's I mean, the, this I is think the first book of his yeah, I've written, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, uh, I've read. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you could have done the game stuff because then Zola then actually early on there is actually effectively um, brought into the company by Richard. So once again, you could have done the game stuff from her actually coming into the into the company. And I think I would have then been mm. a little bit more drawn in in that early part of the story. Because mm. there is... When it, when, when the, the, the main part of the story starts, the actual... Um, uh, Reemdy virus comes into it and the, and the espionage and, and spy story bit comes into it. You shift to Zula then. Mm. But for the first... Well, what's say one tenth of the book? The first one hundred pages, somebody else has been the main character, but then yeah, Zola is, is the main no character main, from there, that point. There onwards. is no no, she's not. There yeah, is no main character from that point on because later on, more than halfway through the book, you come up with completely new characters yeah. that become the focus as well. So there is not one main character. There's there's a number but somebody's got to be driving this is what I'm the narrative, about. and that's that's Zola. In, in the story because she's yeah. the one who gets no, involved it's, in it's, it's only Zula in the section yeah. that you read it's, it's, it's like it's one of those classic cast yeah but that section's There's almost multiple. half the book though yeah mm. like I mean half, for half the book okay for the first hundred pages one person is the main character then for the next three or four hundred pages someone else is the main character and then suddenly these other characters come into yeah. it it's like well he doesn't exactly looks, follow the rules he writes the way he wants to write to satisfy himself he's not writing specifically for you, or for you, or for you, or for me. But then we're, but then we're the readers. It's, that's that's it's, right. It's, and that's if you like it, to... you like it. If you don't, I don't think he's terribly fast. Well, I mean, he's making lots. <laughs> but, but that could be said about any book review. That's yeah. exactly right. So why are we reviewing books then? If that's where, <laughs> yeah. that's the argument we're going to put forward. Well, yeah, I the review authors. them because I like to say what I think about them. Um, okay, that's fine. That's, yeah. that's all saying. good. But I don't think dismissing yeah. arguments yeah. by saying the writer is writing for themselves and doesn't really care what we think. Yeah. It's not really... Yeah. But what all I'm saying is that it, 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 we don't need to rewrite it in order to satisfy ourselves. No, but it's a good way to point out what what I consider the flaws in the story mm. Mm. is to say that... It, it's to, to actually present it then an alternative is actually, uh, I think, a perfectly reasonable 
um, review method. Mm. And it's one that we've employed really in, in... I guess it depends on how you say it. If you, if you say, it should have been like this. Which is not what I said. I know that's not I what said you he, said. It could have I know been that's not what you said. Way, Let me finish. Focus better on it's, the it's, uh, it's if, but if you say it more along the lines of uh, how you just said it, um, whereas it's like, for me, it was like this, yeah, then yeah, yeah I, I guess that's different. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. But no, I, I think I... I especially agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this book could have been written a number of different ways. Uh, like I say, you could have cut easily, maybe even two-thirds out of it and just made it a straight thriller. But that's not what it is. And and that's that's mm. the regret that I have didn't giving not giving you enough time to actually read the whole thing because like, I can see what you're saying where the, Zula's story starts. That was where the book would start oh. for you. But it's not the whole story. There's... there's there's more stories later on and there's a whole other characters that have backstories that come further down in the book but then by that by that token even in the first the, what you're saying could be correct and all that it is correct no it, it could be and it, is it could be because when I've read past <laughs> I've read past page 100 yeah but I've got there's no impetus to really read on in those first 100 pages. No, emo- I, there was no emotional grab for yeah. me to actually hook myself into. Whereas well, I couldn't get mm. enough of those first 100 pages. Okay. Okay, yeah. let's go over the ratings. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to give it five, but that's my benchmark is foundation, so I'll give it 4.75. That's a very Neil Stevensy sort of score. Yeah. 4.777 recurring. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, th- this book really wasn't working for me at all. Look, there were, there were some interesting elements to it, so. Um, uh, and and uh, Zula was an interesting character, um, but. Yeah, not enough for me to give it any more than uh, one and a half Luke's. Luke? This is nowhere near the level of foundation. Um, <laughs> I don't rate this. Ooh. Zero this out of five. Zero. Ooh. Wow. Interesting. If you've read less than a quarter of the book, I don't think <laughs> yeah. you actually can rate it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying no, that no, as no, criticism. No, I mean, no, if, no, I, if I was in your position, I would do the same thing. Mm, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Um, I am kind of halfway between Luke and, and Richard. I actually read just over a hundred pages, um, and I do. I agree that Zula is the more interesting character. Mm. Um, actually, but I I do disagree that more should have been done with her because it maybe it would have sort of diluted her a bit. But like I said, I only read just over a hundred pages, so I really couldn't. I really can't say. I mean, there's whole characters that are introduced later on. I mean, after after I mean, eventually I just got so bored that I stopped and. Um, I checked out the Wikipedia page, so, so I, I know the basic plot lines. And there's whole characters that are introduced later on that I would have found quite interesting, especially the Russian guy. Yeah, um, the, the Russians are actually I just, fascinating. I just, just, I just couldn't bring myself to get to that point, mm. and, and it's a shame. Um, I think it would work quite well as a, as a, as a TV series, like like his Jesson. I think it would, like a 24 type of deal, that would have been pretty cool. We'll talk about that sort of stuff later. But yeah, I just don't think it's fair. I like like you said, I don't think it's fair for me to give this a rating. I mean, a hundred pages in, um, so I don't want to give it. I'll give it an, an NA, not a zero. But yeah, Neil Stephen, I, I, I think it's just proven beyond a doubt that it's just it's just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I won't get you to read Anathem. No, I, I just, I, even I I'm had actually, trouble penetrating I, that one. <laughs> at some point, I would like to do Snow Crash, which is obviously that would classic. be an easier read. Um, well, that's, that, that's, that's also the, the, the that's the one that's put up there with Neuromancer in, in the. Amazon you will still for, get 
some of the stuff that Luke hates in there, but, but it, Hero, it's not a thousand pages. It'll, it'll move quickly. <laughs> but Hero, actually, we are interested. We are interested in Hero and Hero's driving a story much earlier on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be much more comic book like, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, that'll, that'll be a, that'll be a future <laughs> dust jacket. Um, yeah. uh, our next dust jacket will be the the Russian classic, uh, the Master and Margarita, uh, by Mikhail Bogokov. It, it, it's highly regarded for a reason. Especially think Luke will love it. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's the next, the next Dutch ticket, the Master of Margarita. I, I also do need to point out that there is multiple versions of it. We're going to be covering um, the one that's most commonly available in Australia, which is the Penguin version. But there are different sort of de- depending on on which ver- international copies and stuff. So there may be some slight differences. Um, I believe there's actually whole chapters missing. Hmm. So but hmm. we'll talk about more of that more about that actually in the next show. Cool. Well, that was a uh, an interesting and, and shall I say spirited discussion on uh, Ring D, <laughs> a novel that it, it deserves a spirited discussion. Uh, so let's uh, move on to our top five book series we'd like to see adapted into TV or film. And uh, just like in episode eighty-five, uh, we'll uh, we'll each person will go through their stuff. Uh, so first up, we have Richo. Okay, uh, my number five choice was Hyperion. Um, which would never, ever work as a movie. It, there's just too many stories to tell. But it's the nature of the book itself that I think would make it work um, as a TV series, as a miniseries, in the same way that its inspiration, uh, The Canterbury Tales, worked has worked really well as a TV miniseries in the past. But uh, we've actually talked about Hyperion in a previous um, Dust Jacket, so I won't go into it in detail, but I do think that the, the nature of the story would work well in that the framing sequence for each episode would be the actual pilgrimage itself and the journey to visit to the, to the Shrike um, and through the planet of Hyperion, with each episode actually tell one of the characters telling their story so then each episode will be the flashback with the framing sequence and then bring it all together at the end uh, with a couple of episodes as to what actually happens in the fall of Hyperion book. My second choice is not actually a book series it's just a single book um, and it is one I would love for us to review it at uh, a later point on Dust Jacket um, it's a book called Bug Jack Barron by Norman Spinrad. Norman Spinrad this book is one really that is so relevant to today's television that I think it would make a great movie. Um, it's basically about a, a, a TV show host who has this show called Bug Jack Barron because his name is Jack Barron. It's like if something bugs you, you write in and oh, you know, is that what it is? Yeah, you, you write you write you into know what the show. My gears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, it's like if if it bugs you, it bugs Jack Barron. You know. Um, so I think uh, you, know, you could do really great social commentary with the book. Mm. Um, as well as telling a really fascinating story. I won't spoil the story because, like I said, it is one that I actually want to do a dust jacket on down the track. Okay, my number three choice, um, and once again, this would have to be a TV series, is Foundation because Foundation is brilliant. You've heard us rave about it time and time again. It sets the benchmark for dust jacket reviews. Um, It'd have to be... Okay, it'd have this, to go over several seasons. Though. That's that's right. I yeah. could imagine this being a Game of Thrones style, yeah, um, sure. TV series because, and you could do all four thousand books in the Foundation <laughs> series if you wanted 4, to. 000. You could include the Foundation, you know, <laughs> prequels. And if the show was a massive yeah. success, you could even do the books that aren't as good that are written by other people. And you know, then throw all the robot stuff in as well because apparently it's all connected. It now, is all interconnected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My number two choice is any of the books written by uh, Walter Gibson, the creator of the show. Shadow. The Shadow is one of the most awesome characters ever. You know, inspiration for Batman. You know, th- this this character is brilliant. And the fact that we got one, I'm going to say it, awful movie. Um, 
wouldn't guess for say awful. It is it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty bad. Pretty damn ordinary. It's better um, than Phantom. That's no. terrible. Phantom's fun. Phantom's cool. <laughs> yeah, the Shadow... The Shadow... The, unfortunately, instead of doing a Shadow film, they did a wannabe Batman movie for it. Yeah, and true. That's true. Well, I, I think the Shadow could be... Really, could be either. It could be a series of films, mm. or it could be a good HBO-style TV series. Mm. Um, but either way... It's also it's a, not a CW series. No, let's not, let's not do it that way. <laughs> that's but, my I mean, initials. Yeah. The Shadow <laughs> is a character that deserves to be a major franchise player, and he isn't, and... That upsets me. Um, and finally, um, once again, not a book series, just a book. Um, I chose a book called Nonstop uh, by Brian Aldiss, which involves a, a main character um, basically living on a generation ship. Mm. Right? But the generation ship, because of things that have happened in the past, they have no idea that it's a generation ship. And he's working his way through trying to solve the mystery of this, this environment that he lives in. It's, it's one of those books that has... Fairly simple but solid characterization, but the world building is what makes it absolutely brilliant. Mm. And I just think it would make such a great movie. Yeah. And, it, and it really does surprise me that no one's actually thought, yeah, let's do it. All good choices. So, Hollywood, start listening to actually, me. I didn't know about Bug Jack, Bug Jack, but that's hilarious. We will, um, yeah. yeah, like I said, it'll probably get... Um, yeah. It's not my next book, but it might be the one after that. Cool. Next up, we've got Luke. Um, okay. I'm sort of dovetailing between... Film and TV, so in a lot of these, ca- in some of these cases, it could work either way. Um, so my number five is uh, like with Richo, um, it is The Shadow by Walter P. Gibson, who was writing them as Maxwell Grant. Um, for a number of the reasons that um, Richo has actually already pointed out, it could work as either a film franchise or as an HBO-style TV show. I'd prefer a film franchise, I guess, um, because that way you could do some of the more weirder elements when you needed to, when it, you know he's fighting against weird monsters and things like that, and then you could do you know a straight crime story when it needs to, whereas an HBO show you need to have a consistency of tone, I guess, to make it work. Um, but on the whole, it is actually, you know, it, it should actually, The Shadow should be a film franchise. They try to kickstart it on several points. It's never worked. I quite like, I'm a fan of the Alec Baldwin one. Cool. Um, but, Penelope, Penelope Ann Miller in it, how can you say no to that? But I do, but it is, but it is a, it is a flawed, it is a flawed film. Um, I do, uh, I fully acknowledge that. You're just wrong. It is flawed. It is flawed. Oh, that part, you're right about that part. It is definitely flawed. Um, I haven't seen it. But I like it is all. Don't bother. Yeah, but... <laughs> anyway, moving um, uh, four, my Number four are the Cliff Hardy series of books by Peter Corris. Cliff Hardy is uh, a Sydney-based PI who, um, in the sort of the Philip Marlowe... More in the Philip Marlowe mould, I guess. Um, find out what's what and have you. Um, with a very hard-boiled sensibility, which is refreshing from an Australian perspective. And the way that... Peter Corris writes about Sydney because it a you know the, the city itself becomes a second character. Um, this could work as both a film franchise and as a series of telling movies, um, and it actually will work better than say Peter Temple's Jack Irish books. Partly because I think Cliff Hardy is a better character than Jack Irish, um, but I also think they're better written stories as well. Um, the mysteries are more involving, and Hardy, Hardy, the way that Hardy is able to get people to tell them to tell him their story. That that leads into the next clue um, is actually quite refreshing, and you get some very deep characterization going on in the stories themselves. So, yeah, I think the Cliff Hardy series by Peter Corris. I actually had to look that up. I actually didn't know who it was. I thought it was a spin off of the Hardy Boys. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was proven wrong. Cliff Hardy takes the Hardy Boys, says, Yeah, this is how you do it, boys. Boxes them both in submission and says, Welcome to my world. Does. <laughs> 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 um, number three are the Philip Marlowe series of books by Raymond Chandler. 
Now, this as a film series, and yes, we've had well, just about all of them have been adapted into films. There are only seven books, but the caveat here was that one actor plays Philip Marlowe throughout all seven movies because we've never had that. Gotcha. Bogart plays him for one. Dick Powell. Dick Powell plays him for one. Uh, Powers Booth played him in a Raymond Ch- in a Philip Marlowe TV series, but I don't want a TV show. These are. Um, you know, How did that work? I can't imagine him. I've never actually. I've never seen it. It's not that easy to find, actually. Mm. I've never seen it, um, so I can't comment. Well, well, like a much younger Powers Booth. Yes. A much, yeah, a much younger Powers Booth. He does he's, he's a bit too Mike Hammerish, I guess, to play Philip Marlowe, but mm. um, it could possibly work. But uh, as a film series, I reckon um, is how I would. It's time. It's how I'd go about it. And we need to get Philip Marlowe back on the big screen. Okay. Philip Marlowe is an icon of crime fiction, and I'm a big fan of crime fiction, as, as you can a, tell. As a separate segment, we should cast these things. Mm. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> Philip Marlowe, oh, that would produce some very dangerous things for Philip Marlowe, I reckon. <laughs> um, number two, uh, like Richo, I've got Foundation. Um, yes, it could work as an HBO-style TV show, but I would also like to see it done as a, done as a film series as well. I think you'd need a, a yeah. to do it properly, you need a really big budget. Not but Michael Bay. Not Michael Bay. And you'd need someone along the lines of, say, James Cameron or Ridley Scott, someone who understands world building on a massive scale. Maybe James Cameron and Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. With, Peter, with Peter Jackson um, co-producing, yeah. just to make sure that they can be reined in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Foundation is... Thank you both, Nutty. Yeah. I think Foundation <laughs> is one that would um, work. And then my number one pick is one that they've been trying to make for decades and still can't get, still can't get it off the ground, is Ringworld by Larry Niven. And you could do it as a series. They are a series of books, so you could do yeah. the Ringworld franchise. Um, well, Elysium had, like, the Ringworld... Pretty much, yeah. It had the Ringworld motif, but I'm yeah. talking, you know, strange excursions into this um, great big dumb object yeah. out in the middle of space and this strange environment. Not only that, Louis Wu. One Louis Wu is awesome. One of, the, one of the greatest characters in literary science fiction. You're more likely to get a Halo movie, which is just a rip-off of Ringworld anyway. Yeah, I don't want Halo. I don't want Halo. I played the game. I know know what's involved in Halo. Ringworld. In fact, more often than not, with all of this sort of stuff, you're more likely to get a derivative derivative of it than the actual books themselves. But, yeah. And Crystal. Thank you. Um, Well, these are in no particular order because I didn't rank them, but I'll I'll start from the bottom of my list anyway, just just for consistency's sake. The Black Widow is series by Isaac Asimov. This is Isaac Asimov's uh, foray into... It's sort of crime fiction, I suppose, but it's not really hard crime fiction. It's basically... The Black Widower Club is based on a club that he was a part of, where it's just... um, They're all men. It's a men's club. The way it should. And and they they have a dinner party, I think it's once a month, and, and every month uh, a different person gets to choose a guest and bring a guest, and that guest has to bring along a story. But it turns into a puzzle every time. Not, sometimes it's a crime puzzle. Sometimes it's just, it's just a puzzle. And they all try and solve it, but in the end it's always the butler who solves the puzzle. Ah, and, cool. uh, and, and each story, because um, it's a series of books, but they're all short stories, each story could be a, a TV episode, so yeah. we'll put that for TV. Cool. Um, number four. Jonathan Livingston's Seagull, I think, would make an excellent movie. But it has to be done right. You couldn't do it like a Pixar, Happy Feet sort of thing. Um, they did. They did? Yes. Uh, but yeah. it was done in a way that actually makes it very hard to watch. They filmed yeah. live seagulls yeah. and no. then voiced over. It's awful. No, it, loses, it, no. it, it, it loses the feel of the story yeah. by it trying to be to too be clever done. in the way it's, it's made. Yeah, it'd have to, I would probably do it 
don't make it epic like Lord of the Rings, but maybe I could give it the Peter Jackson treatment. Yeah. Harlison. Harlan Ellison's script for iRobot needs to be made into a movie. Hell yeah. Um, that's all I need to say about Enough that. Said. Yeah, Enough yeah. said. Um, and they and need to then expunge all versions of the existing version of iRobot yeah. out of everybody's memory. Well, actually, I don't mind that movie, but don't call it an Asimov story. Just a little bit on the Harlan Ellison script. The Harlan Ellison script, oh, it's, sorry, it's been a long time since I've actually read it, but it, it, it really does justice to uh, Asimov stories. It, it ties them all together beautifully. In the way the Will Smith movie doesn't, it, it's loosely based on the stories, but it really doesn't tie together the stories mm. at all. The Ellison script is as a morphium. The next one, Reamdy by Neil Stevenson. We've discussed that earlier, but as I said, uh, the book has an overall arcing story that is quite episodic, and it would really do. It would really make a really good sort of HBO style sort of series. Yep. And my number one, the Smokey Dalton series by Chris Nelscott. Now it's not going to surprise anybody here to find out that Chris Nelscott is a pen name for Kristen Catherine Rush. <laughs> you know, I was actually going to say, why yeah. didn't you have Kristen Catherine Rush on here? Because <laughs> I would uh, like the retrieval artist, for instance. Yeah. That, you know, Smokey yeah. Dalton is a black man. Um, he starts out living in Memphis in the 1960s. He knows Martin Luther King and without spoiling the whole series, he moves to Chicago and he has a little boy who's who, not actually his biological son but becomes his son. Um, Smokey is a detective. Um, no one actually knows his real name is Smokey. Actually, he has to change his name because of events that happened in Memphis um, when he moves to Chicago. But it's, it's a really good crime series. Um, what impresses me the most about the series is how she manages to get inside a black man's head in the middle of the 60s when she's, I don't think she's that much older than me, and a white lady living in the now. But it's, it's impressively done, and I'm pleased to announce that she's just released after eight years a new novel in the series called Street Justice. But I, I think that would make a nice sort of... I don't know if you'd do it in the HBO style or do it in like a, like a British sort of crime mystery style, but it would just it would make a really good series, I think. Cool. TV series. Awesome. This is why I'd love to do in this top five, because just the, the variety here is just amazing. Uh, so yeah, so like I said at the start, my top five is going to be the same that was uh, that I had for the Forty Two Geek Street appearance. Um, so I'll just I'll just go through it. Uh, at number five, I had the Legend series by David Gamble, the core sort of Drenai. Uh, a story, a books, um, and that I would do as a Game of Thrones TV show type stuff. It's just the chance to see Druss on on screen would be brilliant. Uh, number four, I had the Anno Dracula series by Kim Newman. Fans of the show will know how much I love David Gamble and Kim Newman, so obviously, yep, I had to chuck that in there. It actually surprises me that that wasn't done sort of around the time of you know your Van Helsing's and yeah. Underworld. It just seemed like such a or you know League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It seemed oh, like such an obvious choice. I definitely have it as a TV show. Um, it would be very very cool. And get Kim to do some original content as well, to sort of sort of set it in the universe, and so do the stories that's already done, and do some original stuff with it. I think that would just be work. It would just be brilliant. Uh, at number three, I had the Elenium trilogy uh, and the Tamuli trilogy, because uh, they go hand in hand by David Eddings. Um, I think they're. I, I was David Eddings was a huge influence on me growing up, uh, and I just I think they're his best work. They're more mature than the Belgariad and the Malorian, um, and so I think would work well as a Game of Thrones type story. I actually think they're better than Game of Thrones, and it, would, it just would work really, really cool. Um, that would be awesome to see Sparhawk on the screen, played by Clive Owen. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, at number two, I had the Reacher series. I just, I'm amazed that this is not already a HBO TV show. Um, it's, I mean, obviously it's already had its movie, and it's going to have its follow-up movie, but that movie was crap. 
So, um, <laughs> so get somebody who actually looks like Reacher, and I actually wouldn't have it as a series of movies. I would have it as a TV show. Um, and uh, well, actually, no, actually, take it. I would actually have it as a series of TV TV movies. Clive Owen as Reacher. Clive no, I, 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 I'd actually have Chris Hemsworth as Reacher. Um, <laughs> and Silver. And. Uh, I'm serious, but, but, but I don't care. <laughs> but Tom Cruise is four foot ten, and that yeah. guy's different as Jack Reacher. So four foot ten, he's not that bad. That would make him a dwarf. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, yeah, I, I just think that would really work, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm so surprised that it hasn't already been done. It would be awesome. Um, and that number one, I had the Troy trilogy by David Gemmell. It's, it's uh, the the collection of books uh, set in a, a Agent Troy. Um, it's basically David Gemmell's version of the Iliad. Um, and uh, I think it's his best work, and I just think it's it's magnificent in scope. Um, and I would uh, have that as a Lord of the Rings style epic. So um, would you be, would you like be casting? Style uh, TV show? Would you be casting Brad Pitt? Because uh, no, you know, it is Troy. So, no, no. You know, yeah. you would cast Brad Pitt. I don't, I don't mind the Troy, the Troy movie. It's it's pretty ordinary, but I, don't, I enjoy it. But I mean, I just I mean, uh, in terms of casting, I, I'd probably go Clive Owen. Here's <laughs> yeah, my standby. You would cast Clive Owen in everything. Uh, but anyway, so that, I just think that would be, said that would be from, epic and awesome on the yeah. big screen. Having said that, with the Clive Owen thing, he would make a good Philip Marlowe. He, he yeah. well, Frank Miller um, wanted when Frank Miller was trying to get Trolls My Business up, he actually wanted Clive Owen. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I think it'd be a good choice for that. So that's it for our uh, top five. So let us know if, if you've got it. Have you got any um, books, your favorite books or series of books that you would like to make into a TV or, or uh, movie series? Let us know. We'd, we'd love to hear it. I mean, there's, there's, there was plenty more that we could have chosen from. It's Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, we're really, really interested to hear what you what you would actually put on the big screen. On oh, the small screen. Or the small screen. Yes. Or the, yes, or the actual screens are actually, screen. yeah, they're pretty big now, anyway. But, or, 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 or the web series on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's it for our top five. Moving on to coming soon. Coming soon to Australian cinemas on April 17, we get The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yay. <laughs> the look on your face is such distaste. Uh, I have absolutely zero interest in it as a massive Spider-Man fan, and I'm currently I'm sitting on a Spider-Man cushion as we speak, and I just have no interest. I'm a bit caped out after Captain America, even though that was actually cool though. Captain America doesn't actually wear a cape, neither does <laughs> Spider-Man. But <laughs> I get the idea of what you're saying there. Yes, it's, uh, it's. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've been trailered to death, and I just, I just don't care. You know what I mean? Didn't like the first one. I still think Andrew Garfield should be playing Norman Bates. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Again, Norman Bates. Uh, we also get Chinese Puzzle, which is about a, a father who moves to New York to be close to his children, uh, like father, like son, uh, which is a story about. Uh, uh, a father who turns out that his son is actually not his son. Like he got the government with the wrong child at, at the hospital. Switched at birth. Switched at birth. Uh, only Lovers Left Alive, which is uh, about vampire lovers through the centuries. Oh. And uh, yeah, the, the premise doesn't really fill me with all that joy, I must say. But the cast is really, really cool. So, uh, I, mean, I mean, Tilda Swinton, for, for one, legend. And uh, Mia... Not gonna pronounce your last name. Mia, Australia's own Mia, unpronounceable last name girl. Kiedis. No, Wazowski. Whatever her name is. Mike Wazowski. No. <laughs> the girl from Alice in Wonderland. Anyway, you know who she, you know who she was if you saw her. And, uh, yeah. Sorry, Mia. <laughs> Sorry, Mia. <laughs> we should be ashamed of ourselves. But uh, but you're awesome. I think you're awesome. Anyway, 
So, uh, yeah, so great, uh, great cast. No, just a little bit over the vampire craze. Yeah. And it could be good. You know, it could be good. Could break the mould. And uh, something that I just don't think is going to be good is The Other Woman, which is Cameron Diaz's latest uh, comedy, and I do that with inverted commas. Quote, uh, unquote. <laughs> yeah, so uh, about, uh, about a mistress who finds out that she's not the only mistress and so therefore teams up with the wife in order to get revenge on the cheating man. Wow, I've never seen a movie like that before. It's craziness. I don't mind uh, Cameron Diaz, but the movie does not. Yeah, it doesn't sound very interesting at all, does it? At the the moment that uh, you've all been waiting for, the winner of our Tim Winton's The Turning DVD from the uh, the awesome people from Madman Entertainment. The competition was just to send us in the answer to the question, who are the awesome people who supplied us the copy of The Turning to give away? And the answer is, of course, Madman Entertainment. <laughs> so, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> That's right. We're all full of cheap plugs here. <laughs> hey, there's no cheap plugs. Madman are awesome. Uh, it's just, I mean, check them out. I have the, the link to their, their website and stuff. Especially if you're into manga and uh, anime and stuff. Madman, they are just like job. films. You know, if, without Madman, you wouldn't actually have a lot of the film releases that we do get. So. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, they, they have to be applauded for that. And the winner is. Digging through the NCP hat, <laughs> the competition hat. It's like the magic, the, the magic sorting hat from Harry Potter. There you go. Thank you. And the winner is Zoe Breaker. And you go to Gryffindor. <laughs> How awesome is that name, Breaker? I must break you. <laughs> that was my terrible Drago accent. Sounds more like a surfy name. Yeah, I don't think we've had a girl winner before. That's pretty cool. But uh, that's it. So, uh, Zoe Breaker, uh, thank you very much for entering. That's awesome. And uh, you have good taste by uh, just by choosing to, A, listen to us, and B, enter in the competition for an awesome Australian film. Uh, so, if you could please uh, give me your uh, postal address, uh, just uh, email it in uh, with the details at the end of the show, and uh, I'll pop that in the post ASAP. We'll turn over the turning to you. That's Champagne Comedy. See what I did there, everybody? That was terrible. Tip your waitress, people. He'll be here all week. Champagne Comedy. Tip your waitress. Tip your waitress, or he will be here all (laughs) week. (laughs) So now that's comedy. That's it. Tip your waitress with this entertainment. She is not making much. Now, before we go, I do want to mention the awesomeness that is the Undercast Network. Uh, We are proud to be associated with the new Undercast Network, which... Uh, Bo and the boys from ECN Radio have put together. Uh, the address is undercastnetwork.com. Don't go to uh, undercast.com just on its own because it's some weird Spanish site. So it's undercastnetwork.com. And uh, it's absolutely awesome. It's uh, us, ECN Radio, ourselves, Film Flames, uh, another podcast called uh, Bingo Punch. And uh, hopefully, hopefully soon some. More podcasts will uh, join the, the ever-growing family. And quality stuff. All quality stuff. And their website's awesome. In fact, I'm jealous of the website. <laughs> I think I might change out. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But it's a cool website. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Very, very, very cool. And uh, we're proud to be part of it. And it's only going to get bigger from here. And every show on there, brilliant. Take it from me. My stamp of approval. Especially the ones that I'm on. Because, yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> Because everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for me, uh, Richard. See, the joke was that it's <laughs> turning over the turning, everybody. See, it's, it's funny. You've just got to think about it. And yeah. um, look, see, the problem with that sentence there, Dave, Richard, is that you use the term joke with what you'd previously said. And Crystal. 
<laughs> my mind went blank. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>